0: A Movable Feast, written by Ernest Hemingway and read by Izzy Bianco. The first time I ever met Scott Fitzgerald, a very strange thing happened. Many strange things happened with Scott, but this one I was never able to forget. He had come into the Dingo Bar in the Rue de l'Hombre, where I was sitting with some completely worthless characters, had introduced himself and introduced a tall, pleasant man who was with him as Dunk Chaplin, the famous pitcher. I had not followed Princeton baseball and had never heard of Dung Chaplin, but he was extraordinarily nice, unworried, relaxed, and friendly, and I much preferred him to Scott. Scott was a man, then who looked like a boy with a face between handsome and pretty. He had very fair wavy hair, a high forehead, excited and friendly eyes, and a delicate long-lipped Irish mouth that, on a girl, would have been the mouth of a beauty his chin was well built and he had good ears and a handsome almost beautiful unmarked nose this should not have added up to a pretty face but that came from the coloring the very the very fair hot hair and the mouth the mouth worried you until you knew him and then it worried you more i was very curious to see him and i had been working very hard all day and it seemed quite wonderful that here should be scott fitzgerald and the great dunk Chaplin, whom i had never heard of but who was Now, my friend, Scott did not stop talking, and since I was embarrassed by what he said, it was all about my writing and how great it was. I kept on looking at him closely and noticed instead of listening. We still went under the system, then that praise to the face was open disgrace. Scott had ordered champagne, and he and Dunk Chaplin and I drank it together with, I think, some of the worthless characters. I do not think that that Dunk or I followed the speech very closely, for it, was the, for it was the speech, and I kept on observing Scott. He was lightly built and did not look in awfully good shape, his face being faintly puffy. His Brooks brother's clothes fitted him well, and he wore a white shirt with a button-down collar and a guard's tie. I thought I ought to tell him about the tie, maybe, because they did have British in Paris, and one might come into the dingo there were two there at the time. But then I thought the hell with it, and I looked at him some more. It turned out later he had bought the tie in Rome. I wasn't learning very much from looking at him now, except that he was well-shaped, capable-looking hands, not too small, and when he sat down on one of the bar stools, I saw that he had very short legs. With normal legs, he would have been perhaps two inches taller. We had finished the first bottle of champagne and started on the second, and the speech was beginning to run down. Both Dunk and I were beginning to feel even better than we had felt before the champagne, and it was nice to have the speech ending. Until then, I had felt that what a great writer I was, had been carefully kept secret between myself and my wife, and only those people we knew well enough to speak to. I was glad Scott had come to the same happy conclusion as to this possible greatness, but I was also glad he was beginning to run out of out of the speech. But after the speech came, the question period. You could study him and neglect to follow the speech, but the questions were inescapable. Scott, I was find, believed that the novelist could find out what he needed to know by direct questioning of his friends and acquaintances. The interrogation was direct.